0: Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant. We welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers and certainly hope you're enjoying your weekend. Later at Lexington native Neil Chatterty joins us as a member of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. He is directly involved in securing the country's energy infrastructure. We'll talk about that gas shortage that happened after the Colonial Pipeline hacking and whether there is a viable future for Kentucky coal. That's later on Kentucky Newsmakers, but first our chance to meet the new president of Transylvania University who started his job in the middle of the pandemic. Brian Lewis is serving as Transy's 28th president. We'll talk about the future of the historic liberal arts college located in the heart of Lexington and get to know President Lewis. And we welcome him this morning. President Lewis, thank you very much for being with us. Appreciate it.
1: Good to be with you, Bill. Good morning.
0: You've been on the job uh, close to a year now, and I had to get right into managing a, a storied college campus in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, how has this whirlwind experience been for you so far?
1: Uh, It's actually been incredibly positive. Uh, I really can't say enough about the Transylvania community and how they responded to this situation. Uh, Faculty pivoted practically overnight to be able to offer uh, classes in in online and hybrid formats. Uh, Staff went to huge lengths to to secure the campus, to make it a a healthy and safe environment, and to give students and families the confidence that they could come to campus and have the experience here, and uh, and the majority of students did that. They elected to come and be on campus, and we had classes both uh, in person and hybrid and and purely online. And uh, really, everybody pulled together and demonstrated uh, tremendous patience, uh, understanding, uh, resilience. Uh, and as a result, I think we've had actually a, a phenomenally successful year and one that we can all be very proud of.
0: You know, as we had to uh, innovate so quickly and, uh, and and move so quickly to these uh, alternate forms of doing virtually everything out there, and uh, uh, some of it was virtual, uh, in fact, uh, what did we learn? I mean, did, did we learn a lot about ourselves, do you think, over this uh, last year?
1: I think so, and some of that will probably take a little time to, to unpackage and understand in, in hindsight. Uh, but we were fortunate, uh, although we were certainly not heavily invested and engaged in, in online and hybrid activities, but we had really been investing in what we've been calling the digital liberal arts uh, and finding ways to utilize uh, technology uh, to enhance uh, the classroom experience and uh, the courses and pedagogy and so we were really able to build on that and uh, and what the faculty had already invested uh, to really create a, a, i think a very robust experience for our students
0: you know as the uh, higher education landscape changes and, and many are getting uh, degrees online completely or uh, looking to avoid uh, college debt and the, uh, maybe the expense of that uh, there are some who are looking for that and then there are some who want that, uh, that feeling of belongingness, who uh, want that on-campus experience. Is that the space that you think Transylvania will uh, continue uh, to pursue as its primary focus, the, the on-campus uh, type uh, experience?
1: Very much so. It's, it's really at the heart of the experience here. It's, it's not just what happens in the classroom, whether virtual or, or otherwise. It's the informal interactions. It's sitting down with a faculty member in their office or over coffee or over lunch. Uh, It's hanging out in Alumni Plaza and and getting to meet and engage with people from from all over the Commonwealth and really all over uh, the world. Uh, And you really can't do that, uh, at least in that casual, uh, spontaneous sense uh, in an online setting. It's not to say that there isn't value in the online experience and uh, there are going to be students going forward who are looking for or need uh, some element of flexibility and I think we can uh, take what we've learned in the last year to see how we can uh, really support uh, and provide an excellent education for those students but our heart will always be that undergraduate liberal arts residential experience because we really know that what we're preparing our students for Uh, is what daniel pink called the conceptual age where uh, students are going to need to be prepared to utilize critical thinking communication skills creative and collaboration skills Uh, and we really think that we offer an incredibly unique experience by being one of only a handful of national ranked liberal arts colleges that are located right in the heart of a city And so to be able to take advantage of that, both on campus and literally what's just a short walk away uh, from our campus uh, is pretty unique and powerful, and and that's what we believe will continue to attract students here.
0: Well, you have rigorous acceptance standards at Transylvania, and there are many who uh, would assume that they couldn't afford a transient even if uh, if they could get in. But you have been ranked one of the best buys in higher education by Barron's and Kiplingers. Uh, How does that work?
1: Well, I appreciate you pointing that out, Bill, because uh, the Transy experience really is much more accessible than some people might assume. Uh, We have been uh, really incredibly blessed by very generous supporters, uh, alumni, and friends of the university who value what the Transy experience has to offer and who have provided uh, scholarship support. So I would always urge any family who's interested in Transy uh, not to just look at the sticker price and assume that's the end of the story. There are a really phenomenal range of scholarships available for uh, basically students in, in every discipline. Uh, we have a tremendous track record of students going on to medical school and law school, but also into every other profession and endeavor that, that, that you can imagine, whether it's in, in the arts uh, or uh, accounting, uh, you name it, uh, we prepare students exceptionally well and the means are there to help them.
0: What is it like to be uh, uh, down the street from uh, the the major flagship university of the state, the University of Kentucky? And is there some synergy there uh, really between a a smaller liberal arts uh, college with uh, so much history and uh, a comprehensive organization uh, like UK?
1: Well, we're very proud of our relationship with UK. Uh, Without going too deep in the history, you could kind of say we gave birth to them. So uh, they're part of the family. Uh, but yes, we have a, a terrific set of relationships across uh, the many things that UK does. We have uh, specific arrangements for combination programs, you know, 3 plus 2 or 4 plus 1 that will allow you to, to get a master's degree uh, after starting your, your work here at Transy. Uh, so there, there are a number of ways that we collaborate uh, and uh, we look to continue to find new ways to do that going forward.
0: President Lewis, your uh, website at Transylvania refers to uh, empowering students to commit themselves to lifelong learning. Uh, Do you take the position that uh, that the more you know, the more you you want to know uh, in this world?
1: Very much so. You know, it's, it's fascinating. It's a little bit different perhaps than my generation. But employers are telling us all the time that in a lot of cases, I certainly won't say every case, but in a lot of cases, they don't even really care what your major is. Uh, Because they know that what they're looking for, those critical thinking skills, those creative and collaborative skills, those those are the kinds of things that really get developed at a small, personal, liberal arts environment. And the reality is that students today are going to have not just multiple jobs, but multiple careers. Uh, They could end up doing something 20 or 30 years from now that doesn't even exist today. And so what we need to do is prepare them with that toolkit that they can use to keep being adaptable. I recently saw a study that said that only 27% of uh, people with college degrees are currently working in the field of their undergraduate major. So I really think it is all about developing those very adaptable students, and employers tell us all the time, they know that Transy does that well, and that's why they seek our graduates out.
0: Yeah, because at a young age, you really don't know where the, where the world is going and where uh, the opportunities uh, may be. Uh, what are your goals, Mr. President, your key goals as the president of Transylvania University?
1: Well, we want to grow the university. Uh, not, we don't want to be huge. We're not looking to be uh, U.K., uh, but uh, one of the reasons that we want to grow is because, to your earlier point about accessibility and cost, there are a lot of fixed costs involved in running a university if we can spread those fixed costs you know the cost of keeping the lights on and uh, uh, keeping the place staff if we can spread that over another 150 or 200 students uh, that keeps the cost down for everybody Uh, so that's one thing we want to do is is to grow the enrollment uh, but still keep that very small personal uh, environment Uh, another key goal for me is uh, my understanding coming in is that in some ways, Transylvania has not fully engaged with our host community uh, over the last decade or so. We have some wonderful engagement by individual faculty and staff members, but as an institution, uh, it really hasn't been a priority. And uh, my intention is to be very much engaged with Lexington we want Lexington to see us as as Lexington's University you know the the, the two grew up together we're really intertwined and we want to be a, an effective resource for helping Lexington move forward
0: how important is uh, athletics uh, uh, to to the Transylvania University
1: it, it is an important part of uh, of the experience here uh we are in Division three athletics so there are no uh, athletic scholarships but we understand that there are many young people who really get a great deal out of uh, the whole process uh, of athletics, learning about teamwork, learning about goal setting, uh, time management, uh, and skill sets like that. In fact, uh, I was talking with, uh, with a bank executive uh, who said that when they go recruiting uh, students uh, to, to come to their organization, they look first and foremost for students with a strong academic record who are varsity athletes. And I said, okay, what does varsity athletics have to do with banking? And he said, well, it's pretty simple. We, we know that these young people do have those strong time management skills. They're used to working in a team to accomplish an objective. And if we don't have to develop that kind of skill set, we're ahead as an organization. So we really see it as part of the, the overall development of the individual, recognizing that probably very few of these student athletes will ever go on to professional endeavors as athletes.
0: As we said mr president you've uh, taken over uh, during a a very unusual time you said you really have uh, stayed on campus for the most part and uh, and uh, tried to keep everything uh, running there as we slowly emerge from the pandemic what do you look for uh, forward to the most
1: i really look forward to uh, to getting to know lexington and really getting out to explore kentucky uh, more broadly Uh, you know the people who come here from across the commonwealth bring a wealth of experiences and perspectives, and I learn uh, so much from them, and I'm looking forward to exploring their communities and, and understanding what motivates them to come to Transy and, and seek see what we have to offer. So I'm just looking forward to seeing everything reopening and uh, to getting to know the people that we're going to be partnering with in the years ahead.
0: Brian Lewis, who is the president of Transylvania University. We really do appreciate you uh, speaking with us today, and uh, we uh, have our best wishes for you for a long and successful tenure at Transy. Thank you so much, Bill. Thank you very much, and we hope you'll stay with us. Neil uh, Chatterjee will be with us here in just a moment, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the energy profile here in America right now and the efforts to keep it secure. We're coming back on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. So what is the future of energy in this country? And here in Kentucky, is there a place for coal? And in the moment, of course, is to use more renewable sources like solar and wind. And how much threat is there to the nation's energy infrastructure from hackers or others who may want to cause havoc? Lexington native Neil Chatterjee is back home for a bit. He is a member and former chairman of the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. During his tenure, he's pushed to modernize the energy landscape. Welcome, good to see you and appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, First, you know, it was very eye-opening when Americans uh, saw hackers hit a major uh, pipeline's uh, control point and then essentially uh, panic set off uh, as far as uh, buying gasoline. Uh, Is this uh, a situation now we need to be very watchful about?
2: This is something that I have been worried about for some time, protecting our nation's infrastructure, as our energy landscape has modernized, we've seen amazing benefits for consumers, for the economy, for the environment. But it comes with downside risk, and that's increased vulnerability to both physical and cyber attacks. And we need to reorient our thinking around this situation. For example, if a missile had taken out Colonial Pipeline, we would clearly recognize that as an act of war or terrorism and know how to respond accordingly. But the reality is this ransomware attack had the same economic and national security impact of a missile attack, and we all need to be cognizant of that and work together to stay ahead of our adversaries.
0: This was a pipeline, but I take it these concerns
2: go beyond that, right, including the, the power grid? Substations pipelines natural gas pipelines this was a refined products pipeline these are so critical to our daily lives and our adversaries are aware of this and so we really need to be vigilant in protecting our critical energy infrastructure
0: vigilant means what more spending Uh, more uh, activity to uh, try to uh, determine what the threats may be
2: i think it's a whole of government and industry effort we at FERC um, who oversee the security of the electric grid We have standards that we work with, but I think standards are the floor, not the ceiling. Our adversaries are sophisticated and they're going to continually adopt and evolve. And I think it's incumbent upon federal government leaders, state government leaders, and industry stakeholders to communicate and work together and be nimble and adapt at the same pace that our adversaries are
0: adapting. The weakest link in a chain can be where the problem occurs. Uh, you know, we have some small utilities. We have cities, uh, literally, that are running uh, utility operations uh, right now. How do they afford to be able to uh, uh, take care of this security with the prices they currently charge?
2: It's the reality of our new energy landscape. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say that private sector companies now find themselves on the front lines of our national defense. And we all need to be cognizant of that and provide incentives and support so that these companies can take the steps to secure this critical infrastructure.
0: Where are we going, uh, Mr. Chatterjee, with regard to the the energy mix in this country? Uh, You know, obviously, uh, President Biden uh, has set a priority of cutting back emissions considerably uh, in in the years ahead. Uh, Does that require uh, and and will, in fact, uh, there be a change
2: in, in the types of energy we consume? There's no question that we're in the midst of an energy transition in this country as we're seeing the cost of clean energy and renewables come down and a real business case for clean energy emerge. We're seeing consumers increasingly demanding clean energy, everyone from Fortune 100 companies to small businesses to families. But we at FERC are responsible for the reliability of the grid, for ensuring that when Americans hit the switch, when Kentuckians hit the switch, that the lights come on. And so we have to be cognizant of the reliability issues as we make this energy transition
0: so is there a future for coal in an environment where there's such a push to uh, eliminate emissions
2: there's certainly a push to decarbonize that will put pressure on coal-fired generation in different regions of the country coal will still be necessary to provide a affordable reliable supply of electricity That's why I think it's wise that Congress is focusing on investing in technologies like carbon capture and sequestration that can help us continue fossil fuel usage in a clean way because the reality is while we can put ambitious targets out there for decarbonization, to maintain reliability and affordability for the foreseeable future, we're going to need fossil fuels.
0: You uh, have been in Washington some time. You know it's a 50-50 world out there right now with uh, very divisive politics that we have going on. And there's disagreement about how to move forward on infrastructure projects. Uh, But how closely should energy needs be taken into account uh, if we uh, start rebuilding roads
2: and bridges and other things? So in terms of what's in the infrastructure package, I'm proud during my time working for Leader McConnell, uh, I played a small role in negotiating the last major transportation bill, which Senator McConnell actually worked with Senator Barbara Boxer of California on. So that's a perfect example of how you can approach infrastructure in a bipartisan way. In terms of energy needs, we at FERC are focused on enabling the grid of the future to come into place. We are responsible for setting ROE, the return on equity, for transmission projects. We provide incentives for transmission projects. I think focusing those incentives to make sure that we can have this necessary transmission infrastructure in place to deliver the power of the future uh, is the best way to go about our energy infrastructure needs.
0: But you agree it is part of the overall package, and this is where you get into how much do you put into where we're going with this. The president wants $2 trillion in expenditures,
2: the Republicans want to hold the line at less than half of that. I think the markets that FERC oversees throughout the country have done a pretty successful job of decarbonizing, squeezing carbon out of the power sector while maintaining economic viability and affordability. I'm a big believer in markets and allowing markets to function. That's far preferable to me than subsidizing outcomes. Uh, Let's allow the markets to continue to function unfettered.
0: In that regard, uh, General Motors has indicated that they uh, plan to make their last gas-powered vehicle by 2035. With what you know, uh, serving on that
2: uh, commission right now, does it look like uh, something like that's possible? I think there's going to be a big push towards vehicle electrification. Um, There's real opportunities there. I think as more and more electric vehicles are deployed, uh, we're going to find ways that they can be utilized in the power sector as well. We at FERC uh, passed a rule last fall that I'm very proud of, FERC order 2222. And what it does is it enables folks to aggregate distributed energy resources and compete against traditional forms of electricity. One electric vehicle owner on their own can't possibly impact the grid. But if through the power of technology and aggregation, you can harness thousands of electric vehicles and their surplus capacity you can really start to impact power markets so there's a lot of exciting potential.
0: there. I'm going to get real simple with something here. You know the concern about solar is that there are cloudy days the, the concern about wind is that you know you have calm winds for a while when do where are we on having the kind of storage capacity the kind of batteries
2: uh, that could be really long-term and store that. That's the big breakthrough that we need to occur I'm confident uh, and, and optimistic that that breakthrough will come, that we will get that long duration battery storage technology, but we don't have it yet. So in the absence of that, that's why I mentioned earlier, we need to maintain a diverse supply of energy to ensure that reliability, to ensure that resilience. Uh, but I do believe that that breakthrough will come. And when it does, it'll be very exciting and transformative.
0: Your uh, term is uh, about to uh, expire. You have uh, indicated you will stay as long as it takes to uh, to confirm a successor, if that uh, is the choice of the president, right?
2: Yeah, my term ends June 30th. I can stay until a successor is confirmed. Uh, no one has been nominated yet to fill my seat. Uh, and I don't want to leave the commission and the country in the lurch the experiences this past week with the colonial hack just go to show why it's really important to have uh, government agencies fully staffed and functioning in these volatile times and so I'm gonna stay as long as I can uh, to to serve the country and ensure that people with experience are in place to deal with these uh, these tough matters you clearly enjoy uh, public service uh, will you look for another opportunity I truly hope that uh, this is not Uh, my last stint in public service. Uh, I'm not sure what future public service will look like, but it's been the honor of my lifetime to serve Kentucky and the country, and uh, I'm hopeful that I'll get another chance sometime in the future.
0: Neil Chatterjee, thanks for coming by. Really appreciate
2: it. Thank you. Thank you.
0: And stay with us here on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers. Washington claims it is inching closer to an infrastructure deal, or at least an agreement on what it would cover. But lawmakers are still locking horns over the cost and how to pay for it. Our Chief National Political Analyst Greta Van Susteren has more.
3: Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren and here is your full court fast break. As Congress and the White House squabble over infrastructure, the nation's roads and bridges crumbling, putting lives at risk. The I-40 Mississippi River Bridge connecting Arkansas and Tennessee closed indefinitely, shut down for emergency repairs. A critical beam is cracked, and now we know it has been cracked for years. 2019 drone video shows the damage went unnoticed for years. Experts warning this could have caused a catastrophic event. And get this, more than 35,000 vehicles cross that bridge every day. Meanwhile, President Biden pounding the pavement trying to boost support for his infrastructure package, the American Jobs Plan. Here is the president at Ford's electric vehicle plant in Michigan. Folks, the rest of the world is moving fast. They're moving ahead. They're not waiting for the United States of America. Government, labor, industry working together have to step up and we have a playbook that'll work president biden says his american jobs plan would fix the 10 most economically significant bridges in need of reconstruction it would also repair the country's worst 10,000 smaller bridges and modernize 20,000 miles of highways roads and main streets altogether the american jobs plan would cost more than two trillion dollars Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says the infrastructure package should not cost more than $800 billion. Republicans are proposing putting $400 billion towards transportation infrastructure. Want more full court press? Tune in Sunday. We bring politics home, covering the national stories that impact you.
0: And remember that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren. It's coming up this morning at 1130 on WKYT. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early on WKYT this morning and this week ahead. And we certainly hope you enjoy your Sunday and the rest of this week upcoming. Have a good one.